Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. All right. Well, welcome to the best football show on TV. Matthew Hasselbeck, Tim Hasselbeck, Jeff Darlington here. I'm Diane Rossini. Obviously, we're joking a lot about that news last night, but it's really no joke right now about Andrew Luck. He's not going to be playing in any of the preseason games. He's gone from dealing with this calf strain, which he was diagnosed with back in March, to currently having pain in this high ankleish area of his left leg. Well, here's Colts GM Chris Ballard on the situation. Look. When we gave him the shot in May, and he got a little relief, but not what most patients who do it who get full relief, where you just know. So there was still like, well, maybe that that's what's causing the pain in his right below his calf. Um, but then once they went in and went to this another specialist, um, it turned out to be one that's in the posterior ankle um, that we think's causing that that pain. Chris, is this something that he initially did during workouts, or is this something left over from last year, or do you know? I think it's a – honestly, I think it's a cumulative thing through the years. Um, I mean, if you've noticed, I mean, ankle – you know, Andrew's had some ankle issues with this left one for a while, um, and I think it's just kind of a cumulative thing. All right, let's bring in our Colts reporter, Mike Wells, who's been all over the story. Mike, probably the question every single indie fan is asking right now – it's basically, are the Colts willing to have luck play in the regular season if he isn't 100%? Well, first off, good afternoon, Diana. Yes, General Manager Chris Ballard said that he is willing to let luck play at less than 100% as long as he is effective. The biggest issue with luck right now is the high ankle, the pain in his high ankle. He's having a d- difficult time moving side to side around in the pocket. And as Matt Hasselback and Tim Hasselback know, if you can't move around in the pocket to avoid pass rushers, it's going to be hard for you to uh, be effective. Andrew Luck had no problem playing with pain early in his career, but things drastically changed for him in 2017 when he missed that season due to the right shoulder injury. He recently said he wants to be 100% before he returns to the practice field because he still has emotional scars from what happened two years ago. That's why he has only practiced three times so far in training camp. Luck has made some appearances on the practice field in camp when he has not been inside working on his mechanics with throwing coach Tom House. But right now, quite honestly, Diana, everybody is playing the waiting game. Not for Andrew Luck for week one, simply for Andrew Luck to get back on the practice field before they can even think about him being ready for the Chargers in week one. Yeah, and it seems like Andrew Luck is in the driver's seat when it comes to what he's actually going to do, and it seems that patience is is going to be key here for him. Mike Wells, thanks so much for joining the show. Meantime, it's the latest in the line of injuries for Luck the last four years. Missed two games in 2015 with that right shoulder injury, which would eventually cost him the entire 2017 season. He also missed that one game with a concussion in 16. Seven games with a lacerated kidney the season before. Last year was the first time he played all 16 games since 2014. And, you know, this time last year we were still talking about his shoulder. Obviously now we're talking about his leg. Matt, he was a teammate of yours. You played with him. You talked to him a lot. What's been your reaction so far to all of this news now? Well, I think everyone's talking about how this is such a bad thing for Andrew Luck, but I actually think yesterday's uh, development is a great thing for him. People know about an injury that's physical, obviously, but there's a mental and emotional side to having an injury, and Andrew Luck himself you know, talked about that with his shoulder injury. 
It's exhausting as a player when you got to talk about your injury day after day. Are you going to practice today? Are you going to practice tomorrow? Are you going to practice the next day? It's exhausting. I use the analogy, it's like a flight delay. Just tell me it's a four-hour delay. <laughs> Don't tell me it's a 30-minute delay and then 30 minutes later, well, it's another 30 minutes. It's another 30 minutes. It's exhausting. And that's what we saw Andrew Luck go through with his shoulder in 2017. So I give Chris Ballard a ton of credit. He said, listen, he shut down for the preseason, okay? We've got a game plan. I'm an open book. This is what I think it is. This is what we think it is. This is how we're treating it. But for Andrew Luck, the person, the player, to to take that next step, that mental and emotional side of it is a huge part in this recovery. Here's a problem. Chris Ballard let you board the plane first and then told you about the four-hour delay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened because they've just been waiting and waiting and waiting. This happened in March, you know? We happened in March. And then Jim Mercer started talking about a bone issue, and all of a sudden everyone yeah. was like, hold on a minute. We were told it was a calf, okay? Yeah. We were told it was a calf. That, and now all of a sudden it's yeah. like, okay, now it's high ankle. So listen, I, Chris Ballard, yeah. He, that's he, fair, he, if you're, he, that's fair if you're getting your medical information off your Twitter timeline. That's fair. But, I, but the actual facts are that he had a calf injury in March, April. Yeah, and that's and what they thought healthy, it was. And, I think and that's he, came back, he came back in practice July 25th, 26th and had a setback. And they said, how's the calf? Like, you know, the calf's okay, but like, Something else is wrong. And that's when they've been on this chase to figure out what actually is wrong. And, and, and so, you know, basically that's wrong? where what we are. And, so, and I think that's the key. And that's why it's a big deal. He's, Mike Well said it. He was practiced three times since April. What's going to change starting quarterback, days? your franchise quarterback, that changes everything about your organization when he is out there. He's practiced three times since April. And they're like, yeah, we're not really sure we're gonna have, when we're going to have him back. But to Matt's point, part of the problem with 2017 was throughout that training camp, we were being misled to believe that he was fine, that it was going to be okay. At least in this case, yep. Chris Ballard is being transparent enough to know that we shouldn't even bother asking the question for a few more weeks. And I, I think, think they probably like- learned from the mistakes that they made in 2017. I'll say this just real quick about Andrew Luck, having been teammates with him. If he's not practicing, that doesn't mean he's not working. Of all the guys I've been around in the NFL, he's a guy, when he attacks rehab, he's doing his part. So if he is healthy enough, Chris Ballard said, this is something that has accumulated over time. Like something's degenerating in that area. So if it's that, it's that. But if Andrew Luck can rehab or do his part, he's going to do his part. So when he would sit out practices, he is like on the other field working maybe even harder than the guys that are working. And, you know, I don't know if that gives you any solace, but at least to me for like feeling like, hey, this guy comes back for the first week of the season. I'd have no problem about his the rest of it health wise. And I think that's the key. I mean, look, is it the most important thing that he plays in the preseason? No. Is it important to have him week one? Yes, it is. Are they in a terrible situation if he can't play? No, they're not because they've got a very good backup in Jacoby Brissett. That I think for a play, little while. That I think can play good enough football to help them win games until Andrew gets back. But make no mistake about it. I believe that Jacoby Brissett's the best backup in the NFL. But there's a big difference between Andrew and yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Well, and Chris Ballard, when he took the job, he took the job not knowing if Andrew Luck would ever play football again. And the, one of the first things he said, he said, listen, I'm going to build a program and build a team here where it's not all about right. one guy. And, you know. You that, can say that, though. And, well, no, but listen, that will now be put to the test. Like, you got to sort of put your money where your mouth is now. Yeah. Uh, all right, so obviously a big question mark on, on the health of Andrew Luck. And there's, there's a big question mark down in Dallas where what is going on with the contract situation? We have reporters everywhere all over the country covering different teams. And we, have, of course, have one of the best in the business. Hey! water on the air. Joining us from Cowboys Camp <laughs> out in California. Ed, it is so good to see your face in a couple seconds here. Good to hear your voice. 
Um, so where are we at right now? We know that Jerry Jones just spoke about Dak Prescott's contract. What did you learn today? Well, Diana, there's all manner of posturing taking place on both sides. But among the interesting comments that Jerry Jones made yesterday was that he views it as possible that Dak Prescott could play out the upcoming season on the final year of his rookie contract rather than the two sides agreeing to a long-term extension. Prescott's scheduled to make $2 million and would remain one of the league's most underpaid players at any position. The Cowboys say they've offered something making Prescott among the top five highest-paid quarterbacks. And, of course, playing out his contract would expose Prescott to the risk of injury or poor performance and marginalize his uh, strength at the bargaining table going forward. Uh, negotiations with his quarterback, Jones said, uh, they're proud of the work that he's been able to do here in training camp and say that suggests that the contract is not adversely affecting his focus on the team. And Diana, as far as how far apart they remain, Jones said, quote, you have no idea. It takes two. And both of us haven't said yes at the same time yet. It uh, looks like there's going to be no movement just yet. We may have to wait there. Uh, Edward, thank you so much for joining the show. And again, great to have you back here at ESPN. Jeff Darlington, uh, I know you're really plugged in down there in Dallas. Can you sort of just paint a picture of the situation, what's actually really going down with these negotiations? Well, it's always dangerous to throw out numbers from each side, what one party is offering, what another party wants, because always it ends up meeting in the middle, right? But what we need to point out here is one interesting nugget. One of the things I was told uh, yesterday from a source who's very plugged in was saying that when we think back to the Eagles situation with Carson Wentz, when that contract felt like it came out of left field to the point where we were like, wow, that got done really fast. I'm told that was because the Eagles had heard that Dak was going to be asking for somewhere between 37 and $40 million per year. Now we're talking about average per year, and that's a dangerous road to go down. But the fact that the Eagles said, we think that Jerry Jones might be crazy enough to pay that amount of money. We need to get our deal done now. Shows you that Dak Prescott is absolutely looking for not one penny less than what Carson Wentz signed for. So if you want a threshold for where this deal could end up, I would take Carson Wentz's deal. And I'd say, which in, in the $60 million total guarantee range, and you look at the per year uh, situation, $34 million, something like that. Um, that's where I think it gets done, that, above where Carson Wentz is at right now. It's really interesting because, you know, if you go back to before the Amari Cooper trade, people were talking about, like, is Dak even coming back to Dallas? Like, he's getting this really kind of roller coaster play sure. out of him, not very consistent. And then they trade for Amari Cooper, and now all of a sudden he looks like a franchise quarterback. And I think I find it sort of interesting that Jerry Jones says, well, you know, I love them all, but I don't know with the cap the way it is. I can't have, I can't keep Amari Cooper, Zeke, and Dak. That's nonsense. Though. But really, but the fact that he says it, again, it's posturing, like Ed Werger yeah. said, it's negotiating. But really, Dak only plays like a franchise quarterback when he has those other two guys with him. You know, that's the part of the negotiating that's going on right now. From Jerry's side. From yeah, Jerry's sure. side. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and Dak can that, say. That's, a, that's right. a position of strength to negotiate from, I believe. And then the other thing is, as a player, you roll the dice on how you play in one season, or you roll the dice that you don't get rolled up on an ankle, a knee, or something in one season, you're rolling the dice on a lot of money. And this is Dak Prescott, a guy that hasn't had a big contract yet. He's the, you know, he's, he's probably, not like Joe Flacco was before the exactly, Super Exactly. He doesn't yeah. already have a full bank account. He's right. on a rookie deal that was not a first-round pick rookie deal. So that's a risk as a player. Like, you're rolling the dice. Now, you can go take out an insurance policy and that kind of stuff, but it's just different. It's different than when you have – 
you already have money in the bank versus like you've never been there. And I think that's the position that that is unique about Dak's situation. And I'm sure that Jerry is trying to use that against him. Here's the deal. The biggest bargain in all of sports over the last three years has been Dak Prescott. The starting quarterback for the most valuable franchise on the planet Mm -hmm. has been being paid peanuts by comparison to what everyone else makes. Guy made six hundred and thirty grand last year. Six hundred and thirty grand. I mean, there were guys that had game checks that were more than what he was making in the entire season. So, you know, when you look at it and you say, hey, look, this is what starting quarterbacks make. Guess what? Starting quarterbacks make over, you know, in terms of yearly average, over $30 million. Dak Prescott 100% deserves to be paid on par with the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and get paid over $30 million. Now, is it 34? Is it 37? Right. You know how it uh, uh, it all shakes out. He's getting over thirty. He, he's absolutely. Well, listen, I saw season. I mean, I've heard that he's going to end up getting the most guaranteed money, like like on Which is signing, what matters, right? On yeah, signing, yeah, yeah. you know, than anyone else. And in the state of Texas, that's a good thing. All right, guys, let's head out west to uh, talk about what really seems to be a, a never-ending saga involving Antonio Brown. So he showed up to training camp yesterday. He tweeted he was going to be there, and there he is with his agent Drew Rosenhaus right next to him. He obviously lost his grievance hearing in regards to his helmet, which is what prompted him to head back out into the field. He's still dealing with that foot injury. Well, here's A.B. on his return. Oh, well, I'm extremely grateful to be here. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of adversity. but uh, It's on a up and up on things, so I'm excited to be back and uh, see my teammates. It's a process. You know, we don't make excuses. I'm here today just to get things on the up and up, you know, I'm feeling a lot better through all the adversity, but I'm still here standing, so it's an opportunity for me to uh, do what I desire to do. We'll work him back in. Obviously, it's great to have him back. You know, we've had a pretty good understanding in spite of what people think. We've had a pretty good understanding what what's going to happen, and uh, now we're ready to get rolling. You expect him for the opener? Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, Matt. Biggest challenge here for Antonio Brown? Well, I think Antonio Brown's a vet, you know, all that. But uh, John Gruden has a wordy offense. You know, it's not like other offenses. I mean, John Gruden, you see him on hard knocks. Brown right slot, A right. Yeah. We got 322 Y stick nods, E shell across, halfback wide. Hold like, on, hold on. Is that an actual play? Yeah, but yeah. What was that? It's just a little three-step a drop. Telling like everyone what to do. Five yard out to the tight end. But, like, that. my point <laughs> is, is, like, there's a lot of verbiage that goes with this John Gruden offense. Derek Carr has even said it. Like, listen, there's a lot on the quarterback's plate. Yeah. Guess what, Derek? There's a lot on everybody's plate in John Gruden's offense. He calls multiple plays in the huddle at once. And so that's why I think this time, I don't think it's a big deal that he necessarily missed practice, but I think it's a big deal that he wasn't even there. Not right? So he's not in the meeting rooms. He's not listening to other people get coached. So he'll have some catch-up to play. I didn't even think of that. I was really think, talking about the injury and, and missing camp. But you bring I'm up a great so, point. I'm not of, so concerned about that yeah. part. I, the mental part of it is a big it. part. How about trust? How about, like, I, I, he is a great player. And, and oftentimes, uh, you know, you can behave a different way because you're a great player. At, at the end of the day, though, these are still teams. And it's important for you to be somewhat accountable, even in pro sports, to the guy next to you. So, like, as a quarterback, you're depending on people to be there, be where they're supposed to be. When a guy runs a slant, you're expecting him to be in a certain spot. I just think there's an element that this thing has turned into a complete monster where whether it's, you know, the, the foot injury to, to a helmet thing, that during training camp, when you're meeting all day long, you're kind of bonding as a team, that stuff's going on, you're just not even around. 
You just, you just take off. You're not around. Like, I, I, I think that matters if you really ever want to be good as a team. I think it's going to – I mean, look what he did in Pittsburgh. He's amazing. He's amazing. And I'm not saying productive. that's not new. They dealt but, with it. Well, what, I, what I'm they saying is and – I, and I think that it's only gotten worse, Jeff. I, I mean, I think – like you, you, the, remember, he didn't come into the league as this really heralded guy. Right. Like he had to Six work his way there. Yeah. And then once business started booming – Mm. things started to change a little bit. You saw more and more attitude. I think that, that I think, is a problem it, yeah. for Oakland. The, Oakland has to know what they were getting. They had to be able to look at the situation and say, we know what we're getting. When I sat down with him, the things that he said to me, the Oakland Raiders saw those things and still, they're going to have to play by my rules, and they still gave him this monster contract. It is going to be on them to manage him. I understand that you're going to say he needs to get in line. That's not the way he beats to a but different But John Gruden, it's not that he needs to get in line. You need to feel loved. You need to feel part of the family. And I think John Gruden did an amazing job yesterday yes. of having his back. Having his back about the helmet. Having his back about cryotherapy. Having his back about not being there. Like, he's like, hey, he's one of us. I get it. I'm on his side. And you can tell that mattered to AB. I know What's that would What's the message matter. to everyone else, though? Yeah. What's the message to everyone well, I think else? The What's message, the message, the message to the message guy is, that thinks he's a really good the player? The message yeah. is we're in this together. I'm not like coach up here and your mm-hmm. players down here. We're in this together. If you succeed, I succeed. If I succeed, you succeed. And that's a message. And I, for one, was very impressed with how John Gruden handled this one. But again, to your point and your point if it keeps happening then that message gets old yeah, yeah. when the guy misses treatment to- when the guy misses treatment who's not a b and gets cut yeah. then the rest of the roster is looking around like different wait a minute for different yeah. people. I, I, there you go. Uh, you're gonna get blocked on twitter by him i got blocked the other day so me and you you guys are still gonna not be really worried about I'm sure you're concerned. mom i think this doll i found in the attic is cursed no its eyes are just very lifelike then why does its head keep spinning be my friend forever. Oh, that is scary. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's easy-to-use mobile app. You can manage your Geico policy whenever, wherever, wherever. Let's wherever, play with another doll. Wherever, or we can just bury it deep in the ground. Happy geico Download the industry-leading Geico app today. Back here on NFL Live, rookie quarterback Kyler Murray seems to be very comfortable in this offense. His head's all in that playbook. Players raving about his knowledge. The quarterback says, right now you're not going to see that offense, though. It's all vanilla during the preseason game. They don't want to show defenses a thing. Here's the rookie on what you can expect. I think for me, I, I kind of know uh, what you know what it looks like. So, yeah, I know it'll work. It's hard to prepare for this, you know, uh, what we will do when the season comes. But right now, I mean, it's not like we're not running, you know, our offense. It's Part of it is our offense, but, like, at the same time, we're not doing, you know, we're not game planning anybody right now. We're just going in there and trying to execute what he calls. I have confidence in it. Obviously, right now, like you said, we're not really giving everybody the full thing. But uh, I think when we get out there, you know, full speed, moving around, it'll be, it'll be good. Was last week's game vanilla, the offense that you ran, was that just vanilla stuff? You'll have to tune in week one to find out. All right, well, the rookie there seeming very comfortable. I feel like he's mm. even grown up over the last yeah. few weeks at training camp from when we started to talk to him right after the draft, after he was taken number one overall. So let's just first start talking about the expectations of Kyler Murray this season, your perspective. I think Kyler Murray is going to be the most exciting quarterback to watch this year. I think he's got all the skills. We talk about a lot about how he's not very tall. So what? I do not care one bit about that. The question is going to be is does this offense, does this air raid, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray offense translate to the NFL? And if so, 
Uh, how quickly does that happen? Mm-hmm. And there are elements of it that will translate. I mean, think of the air raid offense. You think of Mike Leach, Hal yep. Mummy, guys like that, derivative of the run and shoot. Take a look here, first preseason game. You know, you have basically four wide receivers. This is a tight end, but you very rarely have an inline tight end. He's detached from the formation. And so quarterback's in the shotgun, and you get a lot of stuff where it's catch and throw, and you are trying to spread the defense out, get the ball outside, and quite honestly, that's perfect. That's a quarterback catching it in the shotgun, shooting the ball outside the numbers, and in college, remember, the hash marks are wider, so you're even spreading the defense defense out even more. Now, the problem, though, is that you don't have all those blockers, so the defense knows that every single time you only have five guys to block. You throw, Six if you count the running back. Right, and you throw a lot of screens. The blocking down the field rules are also different in the NFL. So where I think you can end up in a lot of trouble, trouble if the air raid offense is like the base of what you do is known passing situations. In college, you don't face elite pass rushers the way you do in the National Football League. And so if you are going to be in a formation where you have one back in the backfield, that means you have, can only have six total blockers because you have five offensive linemen. And if you're going to do this with the back offset a certain direction, then this guy has to be an absolute monster. Your left tackle better be awesome. Now, here's the problem. When you look at this game against the Chargers in the preseason, we're not even facing – I mean, guys, this is not Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Up here, we just look at this. This is Chris Peace, okay? No one's heard of Chris Peace because he's an undrafted it's rookie free agent. His parents have heard of him. And just watch what happens here when you are predictable in your pass protections on third and nine. I don't care how short Kyler Murray is, and I don't even care how fast he is if the defensive end is up the field because you are not you know, attacking third and long known passing situations with some type of mystery in terms of how you are going to protect the quarterback. Unless that guy is the guy that protected him, Walter Jones – you can't hold up making a living like that in the National okay, Football League. But you keep talking about the importance of an offensive line here. But we know that the Cardinals, that, that's their Achilles heel at this point. So how is an air raid offense going to work well, if you have I, a weak offensive Well, there's line? more to the air raid no, I, offense. We're making it real quick and simple. But I think the X factor yeah. is this guy, Kyler Murray, much like Russell Wilson in Arizona knows this very well. You have an unblocked guy that's there for a sack, should make a tackle. Yeah. And then Houdini happens. He gets out of it, and somehow it's touchdown offense, and you had the perfect defense on, and everyone did their job, and still, it's a touchdown for the offense. All right, well, it's going to be vanilla when we see it during the preseason games, but maybe I'll show just a little bit tomorrow night on ESPN. We have our Monday Night Football crew in the booth, and you'll be able to see a little bit of this Cliff Kingsbury team taking on John Gurdon and the Raiders tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, right here on ESPN. Always watch it on the ESPN app. Don't forget. And you can always watch Monday Night Countdown before that. You, you know, don't forget. It's fine print there, guys. 7 p.m. Eastern. Fine print. Do you know anyone on Monday the Night Countdown. Do you know anyone who's going to be there? I thought, Tune in. I thought we moved you off that Not show. vanilla. All right, Eli Manning. Still the Giants starter for now. It may not it may actually stay that way, as we know. Last year, the Giants' two longest touchdown passes were actually thrown by Odell Beckham Jr. Eli averaged just over seven air yards per attempt, his lowest since 2006. Here's Giants president and CEO John Mara on Daniel Jones. I hope Eli has a great year and Daniel never sees the field. <laughs> I mean, that would be in an ideal world that you'd like to see that. So, um, But, again, it's um, at the end of the day, it's going to be a decision by the head coach as to when you know, or if Daniel ends up playing. He's everything we thought he would be, and, you know, he's been – 
terrific at, uh, on the practice field, did a good job the other night. I think people need to temper their enthusiasm a little bit. It's one preseason game, one series, but uh, so far, so good. John Mara certainly is showing tons of confidence in the two-time Super Bowl MVP. Uh, you know, however you slice it, Eli Manning has a lot of pressure on him right now. You know that first interception he throws, those New York Giants fans are going to be screaming for the rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones. Well, our Sal pal, who has spent years interviewing the quarterback, got a sit-down interview to pick Eli's brain on how he's approaching this year with the competition. Will this pick at six be a quarterback? We're about to find out. Eli, we talked last year. I remember asking you about the drafting of Saquon Barkley. And you were at home, and you jumped up on the couch and and celebrated, right? So let's fast forward to this year. With the sixth pick, the New York Giants select Daniel Jones, quarterback, Duke. They draft Daniel Jones. We're thrilled. We're, we're getting ready to put your card in. You're going to be a New York football giant. What was the reaction with the Eli Manning family at home? No, it, it was it was fine. That, you know, I I knew uh, the Giants were going to get a young quarterback uh, this offseason. But at season. six, I wasn't shocked by it. Mr. Gettleman and, and Coach Shermer, you know, called me prior to it happening and gave me a heads up it was going to happen. So it doesn't change my philosophy. It doesn't change my approach. To this season or, or what my job is. For me, it's, hey, I, I still got to, I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to do everything possible to help this team and play at a high level. And, you know, that's, that's my, that's my mindset. I'm a little skeptical about that. I mean, you got competition from a young man. I mean, if I was feeling competition, I'd, I'd try to do something to make sure that I was adjusting my game to make sure that I was competing at the highest possible level. Well, you know, I think you always are going to compete at the highest possible level. I treat it the same as every other quarterback we've had over the last 16 years. So we've drafted, you know, other quarterbacks. It doesn't matter if you're the sixth pick or the, the you know, 200th pick. If you're in the quarterback room, we're going to be talking football. Daniel, he, he's done everything, you know, we've asked him to do. He's done everything the right way and, and uh, think he's got has a bright future. You had great memories with Odell Beckham Jr. here, right? You guys had a great connection, and now he's moved on to Cleveland. What are your thoughts about him moving on and some of the stuff that he has said and how you guys are preparing this season without him? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, I you know, have, have wonderful uh, memories with Odell. And uh, you know, no, I've known Odell a long time, since he was a junior in high school. He's had a number of great years and exciting plays here. And, you know, just unfortunately, this business, teammates move on and go to different places, whether it's trades or, you know, retirement or whatnot, and, and you go through it. And sometimes it's just not a, it's not a happy ending. It, it rarely ends happily for anybody in this league. Feelings get hurt and things happen. People say things. But I think we both want to, you know, move on. We hadn't talked a whole lot uh, since everything happened, but you know, I hope eventually all this is gets, you know, put behind and we can just enjoy the, the places where we're where we are right now and uh, you know, kind of just laugh about this one day. How does your body feel different now that you're 38, and how are you working on it, and what adjustments are you making to make sure that you're ready at this age? Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you have to work harder the older you get, and just eat different. Eat different, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Just it's all everything in, in, in moderations, uh, obviously, and, and you know you can't go 
Uh, How do you do that? You, you got still, a lot of little kids at well, home. You I mean, still got to, you know, hey, you, you know, sometimes, yeah, those those chicken fingers on the side. I, I don't order the chicken fingers, but if they leave a few extra, I might, you know, just, you know, take it care. I don't want to leave, you know, I want to be wasteful. And so that, that's kind of the moderation. You got to eat, you got to, you know, you got to consume a lot of food. That's the thing uh, to still kind of keep your weight. You know, I'm not trying to get skinny. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm still trying to. You know, you gotta be able to take hits. You gotta be able to move around. You gotta be able to stay healthy for a whole season. When you're 38, you gotta stay on it more because if you if you lose it, it doesn't always come back as fast. Certainly saying all the right things, and, and man, a little disrespect there, Tim. He mentioned that he never had this much competition at the quarterback position. Did he not forget? <laughs> or did he forget Shocking. that you were there once? Yeah, yeah. same number, number eight, even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what's scaring him. He's like, oh, I see Tim. Him. I see Tim out there. Uh, Matt, you've been in this position before. You were the starter in Tennessee. Jake Locker was drafted. He was competing with you for the spot. Uh, what is it like for Eli Manning right now? I don't think it's like this huge thing for Eli Manning, like pressure-wise. I mean, he's a Manning, right? You know, he's been in Super Bowls. He's the first overall pick. Uh, he's not necessarily worried about this competition. But the, the reality is if you draft a quarterback in the sixth pick overall, you mentioned Jake Locker in Tennessee. He was the eighth pick overall. At some point, there's going to be people who are dying to see that person play, especially when that person goes five for five with a touchdown drive in his first, in his first NFL game. So I think for Eli, the challenge is going to be, and I think the challenge was for me, I had the best year of my career my first year in Tennessee, and still they went with Jake Locker the very next year. And so it doesn't almost, sometimes it, like you can just control what you can control. If Eli has this great, almost like, statistically great career season and the Giants aren't winning they're not a playoff team and I don't think anyone thinks that they're a playoff team right now then people are still going to be calling for Daniel Jones so I think for Eli and no one does this better than him control what you can control and I think that's what Eli's going to do and I think he's unflappable that way but people are definitely going to be calling for Daniel Jones I don't think it's fair but it's going to happen that's what I was going to say. The best thing about him from my time as a teammate of his that he was able to do, because, you know, back then he was being called a bust. You know, he hadn't taken a team to a Super Bowl at that point. Is he's able to block it out and just focus on football better than anybody that I've ever seen. And so he's going to have to do that because the calls for Daniel Jones are going to be different. Now, the difference with his situation, you know, Matthew's situation in Tennessee and Eli's, is that Eli obviously has built up a ton of equity from his time, uh, you know, with the New York Giants. Matthew, all your equity was in Seattle, but you were playing for the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, people were like, okay, yeah, you were here, but you were here to get ready for Jake. You know, that's what's different. And there are feelings that run deep for Eli in that building. But when you draft somebody with a number six overall pick, you're expecting to see him play and see him. And see, that's, that's where I disagree, though, actually. Because if you look at the fact that Dave Gettleman is basically putting his career on the line for Daniel Jones, if he puts him out there too soon, and I think he will have influence on this, and Daniel Jones isn't ready and fails, that is going to be a combination well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Dave Gettleman. You, you heard what John Mara said. John Mara, those, they know exactly what he said. It's the head coach's decision. The Maras don't want to be... A, Part of the to receiving the booze when people are unhappy that they're moving on from Eli. But the equity, because, yeah. because of what happened the last time they tried to bench him, yeah, what happened, well. everyone realized, yeah. like, listen, I don't want that dirt on my hands. Uh, so so I'm, that's going to be the head coach's decision, maybe Gettleman's decision as well, along with the head coach. But I, I think even Gettleman will separate himself from that decision. And that's because of the equity and the, you know, really how much everybody in that building loves Eli Manning. And to your point... Pat doesn't have that, that history with Eli. He doesn't. He doesn't. But to, when Eli Manning started his career, 
He, he started in like week six. Who did he replace? Was later a Hall of Famer. Halfway through the year. Halfway yeah. through the year, Kurt, Kurt Warner. All his equity was with another team in Arizona. That's not the case. That equity is built up in that New York Giants. There'll be a statue of Eli Manning. We, we, aren't at some fans, point. I mean, fans obviously want to see Daniel Jones, and they seem to be past this whole Eli Manning era in many regards. But at some point, will they get sentimental about this? At some point, will they have oh, their yeah. send off for Eli? I yeah, think at some point a, they will. At some point they will. But look, if your quarterback's not playing great and your team's not winning, you know, then all of a sudden it's a little bit easier to turn the page. And it's not so much yeah. just Eli's fault. Like his skill set doesn't equate really well with a, a sort of a mediocre offensive line. Like he's not a mobile quarterback. So if you have a mobile quarterback, and Daniel Jones, believe it or not, is a pretty mobile quarterback, like that's a reason that like, you know what, Eli, we, Eli, we think you're a better quarterback, but – for this offensive line, as we're coming together and, you know, young guys, like, it might be better to have someone that can make somebody miss or get outside the yeah. pocket. Matthew, forget the O-line. We got no Golden Tate. Well, we got no OBJ, obviously. No Golden Tate, no Coleman, an injured Sterling Shepard. So it's just Saquon, right. Eli might Ingram, be like, hey, why did you try him first? That's what I'm saying. Neither of them it's can really true. be successful with the, with the very <laughs> limited weapons. That they have at this point. So they have a tall task. New England Patriots spending a few days working out with the Titans down in Nashville. These combined practices, always great storylines coming out of there. Of course, former Patriot, the head coach of Tennessee, Mike Vrabel, once a member of the Patriots from 2001 and 2008 as a player, back with his old team out there. He, of course, won some Super Bowls. It's also Vrabel's birthday today. Happy 44, Mike Vrabel, with the Patriots. Thought they could have some fun with him today. Take a listen to the choir. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Coach Happy birthday to you. Now, if you just get rid of that mustache, I don't know, Mike. Uh, all right, guys, we've got reporters all over the country right now covering the biggest teams. Our NFL Nation reporters, Mike Reese, Teron Davenport, Mike Wells with the Colts. And, of course, our Ed Warder we saw earlier in the show. But let's start with Mike Reese, who's with the Patriots in Tennessee. Thanks, Diana. Here at Patriots-Titans joint practice, the Tom Brady-Mike Vrabel connection revisited, but in a different way. Brady, of course, trying to do what no other quarterback at the age of 42 has ever done, start all 16 games. His former teammate, Mike Vrabel, now the head coach of the other team here at practice, the Titans. They've been going back and forth in this practice. At one point, Mike Vrabel, with his sarcasm, said, hey, I know Tom has won six Super Bowls, but could we run that play again? And Brady's intensity, like we used to see on the practice field with Vrabel, was evident when he said, that's what we need right there after the Patriots made a nice play on offense. So a lot of intensity, a lot of energy as the Brady-Vrabel connection reunites. All right, that's the Patriots side about it. of it. How about the Tennessee side of it? Teron Davenport with the Titans. I'm Teron Davenport here at Titans and Patriots Joint Practices, where the Titans defense finds themselves in a unique opportunity. They get to go against what they consider to be the GOAT, Tom Brady. Kevin Byard, safety, he said that he wanted to get the opportunity just to see uh, Brady's intensity and just to see how he is throughout practice. It's a good test for them. They've 
been doing a really good job against the Titans offense. So going against a surgeon like Tom Brady will give them a chance to really see where they are. They've had a good start so far. Dory Jackson had a couple pass breakups. And they're just, like I said, looking to really see how things will work out. It's a good test for them. Sounds like a party down in Nashville. Meantime, our Ed Warder all over the Dallas Cowboys stories talking contracts. Ed, what do you got? I'm Ed Werder with the Cowboys. Management here has evaluated the current roster and concluded it probably is the most talented that the Cowboys have had since winning three Super Bowls in the 1990s. And Jerry Jones emphasized yesterday that it's his priority as the team continues negotiations with Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, and Amari Cooper to ensure that the team has enough salary cap space to retain all of the young players whose contracts are coming due. Players like linebacker Jalen Smith. In fact, Jones is so determined that he introduced the possibility that these negotiations would continue into the regular season and said none of the players have established a week one deadline. Regarding Elliott's holdout, Jones said the Cowboys have to be ready to go without him and they're preparing that way. And he again mentioned fourth round rookie, but running back Tony Pollard is a player who's been among the most impressive here at training camp. Thanks, Ed. Finally rounding out our camp pass, Mike Wells with the latest on quarterback Andrew Luck. Mike? I'm Mike Wells with the Colts. General Manager Chris Ballard said this is not 2017 when it comes to Andrew Luck's health. The reality is, though, it feels like it. The only difference between then and now is, instead of talking about Luck's right shoulder, the talk is about his lower left leg. And also, like in 2017, the Colts do not know if their starting quarterback will be ready for week one. The biggest difference between then and now is, though, the Colts believe they have a better all-around roster to compete if Andrew Luck does miss time in the regular season. Backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett is in his second season in head coach Frank Reich's offense. The starting offensive line and top skill position players are back from last season. And the Colts finished with a near top 10 defense last season. But the wait for Andrew Luck to simply return to the practice field continues. Diana. Thanks, Mike. We know they want the biggest stories in football right now. Andrew Luck is going to miss the entire preseason. And he could possibly miss week one against the Chargers. So what are we dealing with here? Well, he's gone from dealing with that calf strain, right? We knew about that back in March, to currently having pain in the high ankleish area of his left leg. Right now, the decision is to just sit him, Ankle-ish. and all anyone Ankle-ish. can do is wait. It's actually more accurate than I've of other reports that I've heard, so good job. Mm-hmm. High ankleish you know, that transparency. Where, where do you think it actually is? Like, uh, Yeah, high ankleish. You like, said that? Where is that, though? It's like your uh, cankles. Like <laughs> big calf ankles, cankles. <laughs> I have ankles. Andrew. <laughs> You're slight. Uh, all right, guys. So lots of question marks, but let's, let's play a game Move this along, here. please. Yes. This is, uh, this is our game here. Uh, a little right. bit of an ad lib thing where we just got to basically fill in the blank. I'm going to ask you a question, and you come up with the word that comes to mind here. So, Matthew, I want to start with you. Andrew Luck will blank week one against the Chargers. You, you can write whatever you want. Okay. Anything. And Andrew Luck will start week one oh, against wow. the Chargers. He's going to throw for over 300 yards. Oh, He's going to have like, at least two touchdowns. It's like you know him. I don't know if they're going to win. Like, he did this last year, week one, against the Bengals. He threw for over 300, two touchdowns, and they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, I believe that he's going to start. I believe that he's going to attack this rehab. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good about that, too. He's going to attack the rehab that started in March. I hear you. It's good. All right, Tim, you're up. Really good. Actually, Jeff, I want you to do this one. I want to do Cowboys. I'll do this one. All right, so Ezekiel Elliott will sign a blank contract in blank. Excuse me, by the way. Yeah, all right, let you go. Oh, big. We'll say big. Oh, big. 
Is that the, I mean, you could have come up with like a uh, more... A, a monster? I don't know. Monster? Uh, monster? I was thinking an Con- SAT this word, is the big- but it's okay. Con- contract <laughs> contract yeah. in uh, two weeks. I think this gets wow. done uh, before the start of the season. And wow. uh, I think it, it is inevitably getting done. In fact, I will uh, I will wager to say I guarantee that it gets done. Oh. Anything? Whoa. What do you think could prevent it from hap- from actually going down? I just think it's going to get done. I think th- Jer- do you think Jerry's no yeah, way? Both sides are going to – him and Hall for a few more weeks, and they're going to get to the point where they it's finally time. Deadline spur action, right? So this – Eventually, we'll sometimes have. it's interesting to see like if this ownership group and this agent have ever done deals in the past. That's true, you know, and then you feel more confident. That's that. a fine. I don't point. know if that's the case here. I'm not really sure, but uh, we'll see. Jerry Jones likes to get deals done, though. Yeah, uh, I think the answer to that is actually no. Yeah. I don't think they've done a lot of deals. If, if, I was, were you asked, was it hypothetical? Or were you asking hinting me? At he, that. he seemed yeah. like he had some oh. inside information. Oh. Hinting at that. Matt without, doesn't really like play the part same. of a full-time reporter. He just likes. Yeah, to, yeah. He just yeah. likes to dip his toe. Yeah. Exactly. Break it out. Doesn't want the accountability of that. Put his name behind it. So that's one running back situation. How about Melvin Gordon, guys? Tim. He will play for blank. In week one. No body. No body. What is that? No Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a D. No Bobby, no. no Bobby. Somewhere between capitals and lowercases. <laughs> D, no Aww, Bobby Boucher. We know how he's unverbal. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> What? He he does you know what happened? I think you were trying to spell no one. And you weren't sure. Is <laughs> it one word or two? No I was thinking the same thing. I have Don't never seen you make such a big mistake like that. But that's yeah. all right. I, oh, but but I thought you were trying to advance it for these guys. Hey, but last night, honestly, Schefter. Listen, Schefter last night. We're, we're in a fantasy draft and a fantasy marathon last night. And all of a sudden, Melvin Says Gordon is just like round after round. No one's touching it. And it comes back to Adam Schefter. So I'm like, hey, wait a second. Like, so Adam, you just passed on Melvin Gordon in the fourth round of this draft. Like, what's the deal? And he goes, listen, I think that this holdout goes well into the season. What he said last night. Now, wasn't reporting it to be clear for Schefter. No, it was just a fantasy but draft. But a when fantasy he passed draft, the when he passes yeah. him three separate times, yeah. you're like, wait a minute, okay? Yeah, yeah. And he was clearly the best running back available. So. I just think that there is a sense that this holdout maybe does go into the season. So if you're asking me week one, no Bobby is he no playing Bobby. for. No. Week and one. it's a good running team with good backup running backs. Yeah. They've got the scheme. They've got a quarterback. They feel I feel like they could survive it better. Yeah. Um, that's your fantasy name, by the way, this year for your team. There you right. go. No Who's Bobby. got it better than no me? Bobby. No Bobby. No Bobby. <laughs> All right. So HBO aired the second episode of Hard Knocks last night. Hope you watched it. Well, in case you didn't get enough of Antonio Brown's feet last week on Twitter, well, the camera sat down with the Raiders receiver to see just what kind of shape the feet were in. You want to see it? Are you sure you want to see it? You look like you're walking a little funny. Yeah, my feet is pretty much getting circumcised, right? <laughs> All right? Yeah, For like, real. Like circulation? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, with the new skin, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like a pullback right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got circumcised on my feet, you know. Hopefully my feet born again and I go run faster. Feel sorry for me later. Thank you. All right, the full episode actually replays tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern on HBO2. And hashtag Hard Knocks is streaming on at HBO. 
Uh, during that soundbite there where Antonio was showing his fee, a lot of odd sounds here on this desk. That was, that was fascinating. What he was saying to describe it or how it actually uh, looked? I'm not sure that's the right use of the word, but I get the word picture that he was going with. The word so, picture? Yeah. yeah. It was like a, you know, I mean, we're not very good with words either at this desk, so uh, we'll, we'll cut him a break. Uh, so we, we know you, you feel better than his. Yeah. No bodies. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, he's back at practice. He showed up. He said he was going to be there. He lost the grievance against the league about his helmet. So he showed up at practice with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. And right now we are still waiting to see how he feels. Now, we know the issue has been the helmet, but there's actually been some players out there who've done pretty well when the helmet just falls off. Right, they obviously have the helmet on, but it falls off. So let's go to 2013 Jags Colts. Leroy Reynolds comes flying in to make oh, that hit come and get without the helmet. Is that Griff Whalen? I think I was yeah, on. Was was on this team? Cam Johnson going just right goes by to show him. You the 2013, level of yeah, that's you. Insanity yeah, for guys that it's like Australian rules that, rugby. That they don't need a helmet. Lead with your shoulder, guys. Yeah. All right, Niners Chargers, third and eleven here. Sean Hill runs off the snap, hit by Carlos Dansby. Mm-hmm. Lost the helmet, dives for the first down. He's just on phase there too. Sean Hill, that, don't duck your head, man, but that's a tough guy. I've been hit by Carlos Dansby. He hits wicked hard. That dude can hit. But Sean Hill comes in, gives a spark. Teammates love that. Saints Falcons 2012, Michael Turner. Little handoff here. Cameron Jordan chases him down for the tackle. And the one time NFL players get to show their face, too. Yeah. Especially guys on defense. defense Introductions, yeah. and then when this happens. You don't see him. Cam Jordan, underrated player. You need him with his helmet off more. Mm-hmm. J.J. Watt here, losing his helmet. Oh, Alex Smith. J.J. loves this moment. And to he the face. That face on the, on the I, I kind of feel like J.J. Watt saying, has his helmet off more than other people. He's like Pete Rose. You know, you're rounding first, the helmet comes off. It just fires everybody up even more. Good. He's a great player. Also one his third defensive play of the year back in 2015. Yeah, this is this is a Cowboys Eagles. Famous, most famous no helmet. Didn't they change the rule? After this? Yes. They New changed rule. the rule after this, right? They called it the Jason Witten rule. In That's the right. NFL, if you have the ball and your helmet comes off, plays dead. Plays dead, yeah. Did he get a bloody yeah. nose from this right too? I remember the, the tight shot uh, of his this ball. Is one of the many reasons why people love Jason Witten. I was just gonna say there's a lot of uh baby face. There's a lot of things that have changed in terms of how the game is called on that play. When Mikel up high, launching, hit the Hey, that's what I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. All right, 2008 Packers Bengals. This was preseason, though. How about this? A young Aaron to James Jones. Put him out there in the middle. Didn't it he? would be over. Play I would mean, be over. There would be Maybe. many fines for that hit, and the play would be over. And I didn't recognize James Jones without the, the hoodie. See the hoodie Good guy. Point. Yeah, he's a hoodie guy. This is incredible. Maybe that's why you had the hoodie. In case the helmet comes off, you just go right to the hoodie. It's, it's like, like a Steve Grogan neck collar too. Mm-hmm. You've got two. Two purposes. What about the oh, and who kind of Kyle Turley? Remember when he took the helmet? Yeah, he took the helmet and threw it. You know, we continue to celebrate 100 years of the NFL, and our brand new series, Peyton's Places, is now streaming exclusively on ESPN+. Legendary quarterback Peyton Manning has been traveling the country to see the people and the places that made the NFL the NFL. In Episode 5, Peyton heads to Oakland to see how the Raiders used a sticky substance in the 70s that actually helped change the wide receiver position forever. Peyton, what do you know about Stick'em? Wow. It's really old, man. How's that feel? That feel good, Griff? It really works, huh? It sure does. (laughs) Fred Belitnikoff already had tremendous hands. Belitnikoff, with those marvelous hands, held on to the ball as he went out of bounds. Thanks, man. Hands that were infamous for what he put on them. 
a foreign substance called stick'em. Look at that stick'em. He's got it everywhere. Helmet, his ankles. How's it feel, Fred? Feels good, man. All right, Fred, I did my best. I got a little silver and black on to channel my inner Oakland Raider, but I want to know how stick'em works. I know you're honest. Right. But with the Raiders, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So <laughs> this right. is one of the things of not cheating, okay. trying deal. And my dress, okay? my dress properly. Oh, you got to pull those socks up. Socks, socks up, up, boy, yeah. Get the two yeah, there socks. you go. Now, now you look good. Now I look like Fred Belinda. Yeah. got taped what was kind of from the wrist to the elbow the wrist to the move? elbow yep you wouldn't be missing a hair after you take it off so don't worry about it <laughs> i can handle that <laughs> so i'm ready here we go I'll, tell, I'll give you show you the first step where are you putting that i gotta hold right it right there okay and then you just get yourself a and, little bit and, more am i trying to put it where nobody oh, can perfect. see it no hell they it, don't care it, it was legal back in the day or illegal <laughs> It was legal. It was legal. Oh, heck yeah. Raiders legal? Well, you know, Raiders legal. legal. Okay, all right. Fred Bolitnikoff bears a strong resemblance to silver and black flypaper with number 25 sewn on. What if you had to adjust anything in the growing area or pick your nose? Well, you have to be careful. You had your equipment guy do that? Here's some uh, gum. I can't, there's no way, I'm I'm not putting this in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) We did it just like that. Oh, I Look at this. I got the gum. Yeah. And see, then you used to have to Sure. It sticks. But does this glop actually work? Could stick them make me a better receiver? Manning is going to throw it. He loves it. Fade in the air. Manning catches it. Could it be? Now we've got to look through some plays here and see what you'd like to pick out. Coach, to, I'm going to recommend some shorter to intermediate patterns. You know, I'm go. <laughs> okay. too That's way too deep. <laughs> Keep this one later if Just I need it. Just in case it. you need it out on the field. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. That's good. There you go. That's if I forget it. Yep. <laughs> now we're ready. Let's go catch a few. What do you say? All right. Well, let's do it. <laughs> uh, make sure you go check that out over on ESPN+. Plus. It is hands down the best series we've done here at ESPN over on ESPN+. Plus. Kate Manning, just an absolute star. The first five episodes now streaming exclusively over on Plus. Yesterday, guys... We, we just put Adam Schefter to the test because we wanted to see if Stick'em can actually make him a, an, just an athlete. We actually have this, the real deal Stick'em. I don't know if we got this from Lester Hayes or who we got from this from. <laughs> but this is the real deal stuff. So, Adam, I know you got good hands, man. But we're going to let you play with a little Stick'em. Oh, no, dude, 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 go ahead and lather it on there. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, you're not going to be hey, able to tweet hey, yourself right there. Hey, later. Hey, so, be, so there's what, there is be, little news that comes out right now. We're dead. Be, <laughs> you're going to have to, like, talk to tech. Be generous like with that, man. Yeah, Come there on. you go. Be generous like with that. Be. No, 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 no. Like, all over. Yeah, I mean. So, okay. So, you're more good. Than you're that, good right there. More you're than that. You're good. I'm just going to text you a bunch. No, no, You're going to get stuck, man. All right. So, we're going to give Adam a chance to... I don't have enough fun yet. Dude, stick them in, in tweeting and texting doesn't work. Okay? We're going to try to test you got this. I need more. I need Listen, more. Here we go. You got, you need need more. Need Look more. out. This one's a test. Whoa. It's hot. Bring that down a little bit. Bring that down a little bit. Oh, yeah. This one's Bring coming. Here we go. You're about to pull an OBJ Here we go, right Shefty. Come on, Shefty. Let's go. This first one's going to be a little high, okay? okay. Going to be a little high. Nice. Oh, nice. Okay. One, one more. Here comes another one. One more. One hand. One hand. Two hands. Two hands. All right. Let's see if we can get it. This ball's got a lot of air in it. One hand. One hand. Oh! Oh! 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Adam, Adam Schefter, pressure player, the last book. I don't know how he's going to tweet or text, but uh, breaking news, Adam Schefter can't tweet the rest of the day. Oh, that's gross. He's addicted to it, he man. Was a, he was an addict. He was like, give me more, he give me more, give me more. That was that he thought he was going to catch it one-handed. He was like, okay. Give me some more where, of that. Where do you buy that this doesn't stuff? that get over the ball as a quarterback? Like when you get the ball back, yeah, it's it hard yeah. to throw. It can get a little bit too sticky, but it's illegal now. I mean, yeah. the Raiders made it popular with like Fred Fred Bolitnikoff and uh, Lester, Lester Hayes. Hayes and those guys. But the funniest thing about Schefter is he's addicted to his cell phone. And so he's got yeah, it all dude, over his hands, yeah. and his phone was buzzing he's and like, oh, ringing. Got a text. And so he put his hands in his pockets the whole rest of the day. He's got stickum in his nice, <laughs> you know, expensive suits. He's got all kinds it's of. Actually, what he used my hair. That's, that's, you know that's what? It looks idea. like you used it in your head. You actually might touch it up a little more. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking that too during the break. Uh, guys, still to come. Relationships they can be hard sometimes. And Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt NFL Live. We got a packed house tonight. The Hasselbeck brothers. It's actually a third one. I wish Nathaniel yes. would come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got Jeff Darlington like in the house as well. I want to be a sister. I've been asking. They want nothing to do with me. Uh, we're gonna do, that actually sounds bad. Uh, we're going to do the segment called Sounds Good, Sounds Bad. We're going to set up a situation here. Listen to some of the sound bites from this press conferences, like out in Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, back in camp together, installing their new a- offense. A lot has been made of this relationship. What that new offense is going to even look like. Well, Rodgers finally addressed the very popular topic this week. Well, kind of. I think he said it best the other night. He made a kind of a crack about it. Um, we have a great line of communication. I'm not sitting up here wishing people, I wish you just knew this. I don't care. I don't need to go out and prove to anybody how great Matt and I are getting on the round or him stand up there and say how great it's been. But we're having a great time. We're communicating. And the conjecture is for clickbait news stories you guys can put on your websites. All right, didn't exactly Ooh. attack it, wow. mm. but sort of revealing as well. Matt, what would you hear? It sounds bad, but I think it is good, right? Yeah. So it, it sounds good to me. I think Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is, well, look, it looked bad. The mustache looked bad. But to me, it sounds good in that he's just over it. Like, he's Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't really care so much about the preseason. I don't care about your, like, made-up little drama squabble that you got going on. I don't care. Like, I don't care about that. I'm not out to prove anything. I don't have to, like, justify my relationship or justify your predictions now that the Bears are better and the Vikings are better. Like, I don't care. I'm over it. And so, to me, I think he's saying all the right things. This is just exactly how other quarterbacks in other cities feel. You know, you think Tom Brady's going around trying to, like, say, like, Oh, yeah, you know, me and Bill, we're super tight. Like, it's not about that. Like, we're just here for one thing. We're here to win, and we've got a, we've got a good working relationship and kind of, like, mind your own business. We got this. It is, it is kind of awkward to be asked about your relationship regularly, and it probably actually has ultimately helped Matt and Aaron well, from the together a little bit. <laughs> They're kind of like, like well, probably why? laugh about it. It's, it's kind of a common thing for them to joke about. But well, what's the disadvantage of answering the question like this? It's been great. Because that's not Aaron Rodgers. Because if you're Aaron Rodgers and you say it's great, there will be 
50% of the people say, whoop, you never said that for Mike McCarthy, and they'll make it a thing. And I think he's just Green worn Bay out over Aaron. that. We know Green Bay picked Aaron over Mike McCarthy. Or you could you have know? just said it was great with Mike and then said it was great with Matt. and then you don't have this. I think it sounds fine. <laughs> that's fine with me. Again. And it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's how he is. That's who he is. That's what he's all about. Like, he's snarky. He's smart. But you got to also think about That's 1265 Lombardi Avenue, Grand, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like, if, if anybody sneezes over there, if Aaron Rodgers sneezes, it's news. Yeah. And so, like, when you're the quarterback of that franchise, it can get a little bit exhausting when every little thing, like I saw it firsthand with Brett Favre, it can get exhausting. Like any little thing you do, they try to make a story of it, a national story of it. And so I, I, that's why I think he's just like, really? We're, we're, we're going there already, guys? Whether it works or not is still a big deal. But whether they have a good relationship right now, like, right. it's fine. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. How do you think Matt's handled it? LaFleur, have you heard some of the comments he's made? I mean, he's been... Well, I thought the fact that Aaron just even referred to Matt's answer on something kind of alludes to Jeff's point of they're both getting asked about it. They're both probably getting exhausted by answering. And so maybe bringing them together a little bit, like, can you believe that we're, we're still answering these questions? So I think the bigger issue, and these guys have said it, is, you know, ultimately... Matt LaFleur is replacing a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and he's got to win games. The expectations are if you're going to be the head coach of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is going to be your quarterback, and they've kind of invested on defense the way that they have, really whether or not these guys are holding hands and skipping down Lombardi Avenue or whether or not they're winning games, right. like, like winning games is what matters. But to that point, where this all started was not – the relationship from the personality standpoint, it's about the offense and what Matt LaFleur does, what Sean McVay does, Kyle Shanahan, what they do, and you guys are certainly the experts on football, but what they do is, is when they get to the line of scrimmage, Matt LaFleur needs it to be a certain way, out of the gates. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily have the freedom that he would have had to just audible at any time he wants. That's the question. It's not about their personality. It's about X's and O's. It's about X's and O's. Yeah, and I've lived it, and you turn your back to the defense, and it's it's an adjustment. Yeah, so that that to me is, if if that goes well, if they can figure that out, they're going to get along just fine. It sounds bad, but just go win is essentially what we're saying here. The vintage ball, 22 days until the Packers-Bears kick off the NFL's 100th season. Hmm. So in honor of that, let's open up the vintage ball right now. What's the password? Well, leads all-time leading rusher Emmett Smith is behind the door here. Obviously, because we're celebrating 22 Surprised days. we go with Doug Flutie, but Emmett Smith's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, we debated, but we, we figured he'd be. Sure, we did. One. He seemed like a Flutie guy. Mm-hmm. But, but how interesting, though, here, you know, we know that he missed those two games there oh, in 93. Hold out a similar situation yep. with Ezekiel Elliott right now, with the same team, with the same owner. Yep. Do you think this gets solved? Do you think Zeke will miss two games the way he did, or do you think Zeke will be there day one? I don't think he misses two games, in part because Jeff Darlington said earlier he thinks it gets done in two weeks. And I just feel like there's a feeling that Zeke's really important they want want to get done. Jerry Jones is known for a lot of things, but one of them is the guy gets deals done with great players. He's a great player. I think a deal gets done before the start. gets done, Zeke gets done, Jack is done. Yeah, nobody. All right, it'll do it for NFL Live. The Jump next with Cassidy Hubbard.